Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together as a body of believers. Father, we thank you that we can sing together, uh, that we can read together. Uh, Father, most of all, though, I, I thank you for how you have brought us together in this place. Um, would we be willing, uh, would we be open uh, to uh, connecting, to building relationships, laying the foundations, Father, that we would be able to uh, continue to build upon as we grow together uh, to look more and more like your Son. Father, it is out of your kindness that we are in this place. Father, it is out of your kindness that we have this church. Father, um, most of all, it is out of your kindness that you have provided your Son for us. And we pray all this in his name. Amen. Um, Our normal practice as we work through um, and sermons is work through a book of the Bible. Pastor Joel is currently doing that. He's working on the book of Matthew. Um, But since he is away this week, we're taking a little sidestep off to the side. And we're going to talk about sanctification. So we'll talk about this one topic and we'll look at a couple different verses of scripture. But the first thing I want you to do is I'd love for you to pull out your bulletin for me. And I want to just read for you that paragraph that is on the front, this quote by Martin Luther. Um, It reads, this is uh, Martin Luther's kind of uh, on the topic of sanctification. He's written a lot of things, but but this quote stuck out to me uh, the the last few weeks as I've been working through. And it says this, this life is not godliness, but growth in godliness, not health, but healing. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not now what we shall be, but we are on the way. The process is not yet finished, but it has begun. This is not the goal, but it is the road. At present, all does not gleam and glitter, but everything is being purified. This, this past Wednesday, um, you may have heard of a television show called Jeopardy. Um, there was a, a question. It's actually the $1,000 question in the first round category called Current Sports Nicknames. Um, and the question was, Joel Embiid in 2019 won the trademark for his nickname that also describes the 76ers' strategy on improving the team. Um, three contestants, only one was brave enough to try to buzz in. And his answer was, what is do a 180? Completely incorrect. Completely. Um, Which has spawned other conversation. But the correct answer, the correct answer is the process. Now, in in the world of of basketball, nicknames are, are pretty standard. I love nicknames. I like nicknames. I like to give nicknames. I have given many of you nicknames. But, to me, but I've love nicknames. I mean, there's Air Jordan and Magic Johnson and Keem the Dream. There's the answer. There's the glove. There's the mailman. There's Clyde the Glide, the Hick from French Lick, the human highlight film, the Iceman, white chocolate, the round mound of rebound. I love a good nickname. Now, Joel Embiid's nickname, The Process, does indeed come from the strategy of improving the team. Um, There was a a moment where the 76ers decided that their quest for victory in the future outweighed their desire to win in the immediate. Some fans refer to this style as tanking. Others call it a process. But, But trusting in the process, knowing that you are heading somewhere better, 
and that it's going to take time to get there, you have to buy in to trusting in the process. This is where we are. And I feel that this idea, this thought behind the phrase, trust the process, could be helpful this morning as we begin to speak about the, this, this idea of sanctification. The junior high and senior high students have been working their way through the book of Romans with me during Sunday school and also during our Monday night Bible study. And we've, and we've talked about terms like salvation and justification and imputation and sanctification and glorification. We cover all the Asians. But sanctification is different than justification or glorification in the fact that it's not an instant thing. Instead, from the moment of conversion until you reach heaven, you are being sanctified. You are being transformed. Perhaps you've, you've heard it described as growing in holiness or becoming like Jesus. This is sanctification. And as broken and as sinful people that we are, becoming like Jesus is a long process. Literally being transformed by the Holy Spirit, making you more and more like Jesus. This is one of the, the biggest differences between sanctification and justification. Your salvation, your adoption, you did nothing to get it. Here though, with sanctification, the Holy Spirit is working in you. And your obedience to the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit's guidance, you're being transformed. Sanctification is for those who have been saved. Those who claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whom God calls sons and daughters. Perfect timing this morning in Sunday school. We read Romans 8. We are heirs with Christ. You are a son and daughter of God if you claim Jesus as Lord. If you're a believer, you have this promise. And once you have been adopted, once you have been an heir with Christ, you begin this process of sanctification. But if you are not a believer, this process is not for you. If you're not a believer, you're not being sanctified. Working on yourself is not the same thing. If you're working on yourself without Christ, you are just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Sanctification is for believers, and sanctification requires work. It requires effort. Lots of effort. For those saints that have been working uh, on their sanctification, that those saints that have been walking with Christ for a long time, you know that sanctification is slow. There's no microwave versions of it. No five steps to becoming your best sanctified self today. It's slow. Different uphills and downhills, turns. And did I say that it's slow? Sanctification is not about perfection, it's about persistence. Martin Luther's quote speaks well about this very idea. Fighting sin is hard. I mean, we use terms like fighting, right? Battling, killing, right? It's a hard, lifelong task, but it is a process. And it's a process that is extremely personal, we all have different areas where the Holy Spirit is, is working in us so that we can become more 
holy. Do you remember doing class projects at school where the the teacher uh, would tell you, okay, we're going to do a group project, and you begin to look around the room trying to figure out who you're going to be partnered up with? And now there's three ways. There's three ways you can approach this. Three ways that you can handle this. The first is that you just sit and you wait until there's nobody else and it's just you and that other kid that didn't do anything else and you two are now partners. The second is that you quickly run and grab your best friend so the two of you have an excuse to talk the rest of class. But then there's the third. Find the smartest kid in the room and get them to be your partner for the project. This third method was my choice. I was not a good student. Um, And so this group project meant that I would have a better opportunity to receive a grade than I would have gotten on my own. It's a good theory when you're the bad student. Now, although I was looking to be partners with the smartest kid, this also meant that they would be partnered with me and my clear lack of skill and knowledge and desire to really do anything for the project. And it was often pretty clear that that they would be carrying me through the assignment. Sanctification is a group project. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. If you don't have one, there's a pew Bible in front of you. You can use that. Um, If you need a Bible, feel free to take that one. But we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to just look at verses 12 and 13. So Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 12 and just read 12 and 13. This is what Paul writes. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Work out your own suffering with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. That sounds like a group project. That sounds like you may have just been partnered up with the best kid in class. Right? This is cooperative work of God and Christians resulting in greater Christ-likeness. Now, first of all, recognize that you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This very idea of fear and trembling is, is not a fear of, 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 of being afraid. It is reverence and respect and a desire to, to, to obey. Our approach to, to sanctification should not be flippant. Oftentimes it is. John MacArthur, in a sermon on this topic, he says this. He said, I think the church has the least interest in this doctrine, which is the most important for the church. And that is the doctrine of sanctification, becoming like Christ. It is not enough for people that people are justified. It's not enough that they have come to salvation and the fact that they have come to know Christ. Their sins are forgiven that the burden of Paul is that the people would be sanctified. And that was Paul's passion himself. I press towards the mark, Paul says. And what is the mark? The mark is Christ's likeness. Christ's likeness. That should be the passion of every believer. I want to be more like Christ. 
I want to be increasingly like Christ. I want to always think and speak and act and relate to life and to people the way Christ would. Let me read that last part one, one more time. I want to be more like Christ. I want to be increasingly like Christ. I want to always think, speak, act, and relate to life and to people the way that Christ would. That, that plea, that, that declaration, that, that cry of I want to be more like Christ is so easy to say. It's certainly our desire. It's certainly our hope. It's, it's certainly if you're pressed, that's, that's what you're going to say, but, but it's not easy. And the process, the process to becoming that is long, slow. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you to push back against the feeling of frustration and guilt in this. Instead, hold tight to hope and joy. This is a group project. You're not alone in this. Trust the process. The Holy Spirit, God Himself, dwells within you and He is transforming you to be more holy, to be more like His Son. Take joy in that. Now, turn over to Colossians. We're going to slide over to Colossians chapter 3. As we continue to look at this process, we're going to go over to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And we're going to see this process of sanctification begins when we become believers. And that it's this lifelong pursuit. And and we can see here in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it reads this, If then you have been raised with Christ, when you have been raised with Christ, when you become His, when you confess Him as Lord, when you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is in your life appears, when you also appear with Him in glory. Realize that this is a a complete change in the way that we think. The claim that I want to be more like Christ, to to announce those words, to declare those words, to, to plead those words, to speak and act and relate to life and to people the way that Christ would, is going to take a complete change in the way that I think. Spend the afternoon with me. You will recognize that I don't think this way on my own. I've been, I've been coaching basketball a long time. And, and one of the fundamentals that I have taught time and, and time again is shooting. And, and if you ever teach uh, small children shooting or older children shooting or anybody shooting, you start with beef. Balance, eye, elbow, follow through. Anybody that's ever gone through basketball at some point in their life can talk to you about 
beef. And they should tell you that you work on form shooting, where you work on one hand on the ball and keeping your elbow straight and under the ball and following through. And you, you start up close to the basket and you just put it over the front of the rim. And as you get comfortable, you begin to take a step back. And as, as you get more comfortable, you take another step back. Eventually, you put your other hand on the ball and come further back until you're, until you're just shooting. And it's just a beautiful thing when it's done well. And it's always a great thing to see someone that you just taught, that you just instructed on this new skill, and you see them starting to get it. You see them starting to understand it. But it never fails. It never fails. The moment they begin to play, the moment there's a defender guarding them, the moment stress enters, good shooting form goes out the window, and they're back to slinging the ball up with both hands, with their eyes closed, and it all just breaks down quickly. See, the remedy for not panicking, the remedy for not breaking down is to practice. You need to practice your form and your fundamentals, but you also need to practice shooting at game speed, with stress, with a defender, training your mind and your body at the same time, seeking the things that are above, setting your mind on heaven and not earth takes practice and time. You are not going to get this in a moment. You're not going to get this in an afternoon sitting there thinking about heaven. Sitting here on a Sunday morning is vital and it is important. Form shooting, if you will. But oftentimes we walk out of these doors and into the world that's waiting for us and the moment stress enters, we break down pretty quick. And we begin to just throw the ball with both hands with our eyes closed. We go back to what we know, what is already comfortable. The remedy is practice. Being with other believers for worship. Meeting with your growth group. Sitting in Sunday school. Doing family devotions at home. Praying with your spouse and your children. These are safe and encouraging places to help set your mind on the things above. This is putting you close to the basket where you can have success. Being with believers who are going to encourage you as you pray, as you read, as you begin to cement this foundation of looking at the things above and not the things on earth. Sanctification is lifelong, filled with challenges. Do not be quick to dismiss the value of practicing your faith. You do not have it figured out yet. Live out your faith in the safe spaces as often as you can. Encouraging spaces where you can build on that fundamental and you can grow in your understanding and as you begin to enter stress into it, as you begin to get pushed back against the world around you, as you begin to have to be able to speak out and pray and encourage others, you have that foundation so it's not just closing your eyes and throwing the ball. Oh, but if we keep reading in Colossians 3, look at verses 4 through 10. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. 
anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So it's not just a matter of looking towards heaven. It's not just a matter of claiming that you want to set your mind on things above. You need to kill sin. We need to destroy what is earthly in us. Sin is a monster. An evil, destructive monster. And we are too quick to keep it as a pet. If I put a collar on it and I call it snowball and I can keep it to behave and I can control it and I can play with it when I want, but that's not what we read here. That is not what, what Paul is telling us. That is not what God's will for us is in the midst of sanctification. It is not about keeping sin as a pet. It is to put it to death. You need to slay that monster. John Owen, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Now and then I, I get stuck in the YouTube whirlpool where I was watching something probably that I, I really needed to watch that was really important. And I watch it and 30 minutes later I'm watching something so random and so far from where I started and I've lost all track of time. But one of those moments, one of those moments... I came upon a video of a, of a gentleman and he's sitting there and he's not paying attention as this lion is stalking up behind him. And, and he's just sitting there and this, this lion is coming up behind him and just at the last minute he turns and looks and there's this lion and the lion kind of pounces on him and they're like hugging and petting and it's like he's treating it like it's his pet. It's this playful reunion and this long embrace and I'm like, no, that lion is going to eat your face. It is a wild animal. You can't pretend to train it. I, there are stories where people have kept them as pets and they end up eating their face. You cannot train it. You cannot pretend it's not a wild animal. I mean, I mean what do we call the sins the sins that we're drawn to, the sins that we like, the sins that we hold close, we call them our pet sins. Brothers and sisters, they're not your pet. They're a destructive monster that wants to kill you. Sanctification is very personal. It's a personal thing. The journey you were on is different than mine or others in this room. And because of the personal nature of sanctification... And because of the personal nature of, of killing our sins, we've been really good at keeping it private. Killing your sin needs to be done in the same way that training your mind to think of things of heaven is done. Setting your, your mind requires practice in a safe community so that you can grow stronger in it. You become more confident in it. You need accountability. You need community to grow in your understanding of sin. To allow others to help you see that Snowball is not a pet to be played with, but a destructive monster that needs to be slayed. Whether you love the pet sin, or you despise the sins that you're entangled with, you need help from a safe community. 
even if you know the fundamentals, the moment that stress comes, the moment that that pressure is on you, we resort back to these things. And I'm sure that you are aware, I'm sure that you are more than aware that once you kill one sin, there's always another one waiting in its place. You need to use community. You need to approach this the same way that setting our minds on things are. And a great example of this is um, you're great. You're great at showing sanctification by yourself. It is easy for me to be alone in the garage with nothing else going on and be really, really holy. Um, being a husband and a father in the midst of the chaos that is my home, does not make me look as holy. When we live these things out in community, our sin, our struggles, begin to get light shed upon them. Um, squeezing the toothpaste by myself is not an issue. Put my wife in it, and now there's an issue because she doesn't do it right. So I have to learn how to... Actually, no, she doesn't do it right. But... We quickly learn that sanctification begins to get played out when you're in community. It is easy to hide your sins. It's easy to pretend they're not there when you're by yourself. But as soon as you get into community, it gets light shed upon it, and it allows others to help walk you through it. Nothing's better than a loving spouse that's willing to point out your sin. Hurts, uncomfortable, is important. Brothers and sisters, even in the midst of our sin, do not be filled with dread. Be filled with hope at the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is transforming you daily, transforming you moment by moment to be more like Christ. That should bring you hope. If we look back at Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for God who works it out in you. God is with you. He's the best partner in this that you could choose. He knows you're not going to do the work correctly. He still is going to carry you through it. Don DeVinney read for us Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 25 earlier um, in this service. And I would like just, if you want to turn to that for me, please, that would be wonderful. Galatians chapter 5. And I just want you to see some similarities between what we read in Colossians and what we see here in Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, we see it says, If you are led by the Spirit, Paul writes, as we walk, as we talk about sanctification, as we look at this idea of being in this process, we know that we are indeed being led by the Spirit. It is not something that you are driving the ship on. It is not up to you. You're not directing it. The Holy Spirit is guiding you. That should relieve some pressure for you. Your sanctification, although you have a part in it, although you are, you are taking part in it and you're with this partner that is God, you are not the one leading it. Paul continues, he says, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and Paul lists the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, dis Divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Oh, but what does he then come to? But the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the very things that you should be growing in as you trust the process of sanctification. This daily process of being transformed more holy. This daily moment-by-moment struggle that you sometimes feel should be evident to those around you by the way that you demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Now, don't misunderstand me or don't add another layer of guilt to yourself. You are not perfect. Sanctification is not about perfection. It's about persistence. You should be growing in these fruits. It should be evident over time to the people around you and your community. You will not be perfect in these. Persistent in these. You may find yourself currently struggling with with patience or gentleness at the moment. Brothers and sisters, this is a long process. And the longer you journey, the more you are able to see these fruits against the backdrops of your pain and your struggle and your victories and joys. The longer you work through your sanctification, the easier it is to take a step back and see where you were five years ago or where you were ten years ago. Don't get lost in the immediate. Recognize, recognize that it is a process that you need to trust. Now, I want to I close with, with this thought as we finish our time this morning, and, and it is this. Be honest where you are. Sanctification is personal and lifelong. Stop trying to pretend you are more than you are. And and as hard as it is, and, and trust me, I know how hard this is, don't try to impress people who are really only just trying to impress you. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to struggle and be confused. It's okay to have horrible days. And it's okay not to be okay. Be honest where you are. I know the faces that I see this morning. I know the struggles. I know the pain. I know the confusion that some of you have. And we hide it. Stop. Our sanctification happens most when, when we're in the midst of all of these things. When we're being shaped and formed in these moments. Iron is not shaped gently. It requires a lot of heat. And it is hard, forceful shaping. Psalm 102, For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn in the furnace. My heart is struck down like grass that is withered. You, you don't have to fake it. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel that, that your heart is struck down, that you're just like withered grass, that you feel like your, your body is being burned in a furnace. Our tendency in these moments is to pretend. 
to not burden others with our pain and struggles. To keep up the illusion that we're happy and life is good. If we all pretend that we're okay, if we all are going along with this illusion that we're happy, then how is that community? How are we helping to keep each other safe and encouraged when the midst of stress and pressure comes upon ourselves? Or what happens to the one person that doesn't feel that they're okay? Stop pretending. You're, you're missing so many opportunities to grow in your own sanctification as well as stealing. You're stealing moments from others when you refuse to be transparent and honest. <coughs> Who could you walk with? Who could you be encouraging? Who could you pray with? Who could you just hug? I don't care about shaking hands. Who could you hug today that just needs someone to love on them? As a parent, I find great encouragement when I know that I, am, that I am not just walking this difficult path of raising children alone. Children are difficult. Nobody told me that. I was a great kid. And now, this is what, no. How, how encouraged are you when in the midst of something, you know there's another family that is dealing with it too. You have someone else that you can walk with. As a husband, I find great accountability when I talk to other husbands who are battling their own selfish flesh instead of caring and honoring and loving their spouse. As a Christian, it's encouragement to hear stories of faithfulness and victory. I know I'm not the only one that struggles spending time in God's Word faithfully. I know I'm not the only one that struggles praying to Him every day faithfully. But I know brothers and sisters who are faithful in that. What encouragement they are to me. It's good for us to share struggles and pain. It's good for us to talk about the things that we're confused about or that we don't understand. We have been given this community, these men and women, these brothers and sisters in Christ by the kindness of God so that we can walk with them, that we can speak with them, that we can pray with them, and that we can love them. You're not here by just happenstance. This church, this body, is because of God's design and His kindness to us. Why are we not using this in our own growth of sanctification? And this only happens when we stop buying into the idea of perceived perfection. Just because you claim to know Christ as your Lord, just because you are a Christian does not mean that you have to look perfect. We are all in the process of sanctification and you're not done. And this honesty is just in regards to this is just isn't regards to our pain and our suffering. We need to be honest with where we are in our walk too. We're all in different places in our understanding of Scripture and our understanding of our faith and our and our understanding of our obedience to God. We're all in different places. We all don't have to be here. It's okay to be in process. It's okay to be 
growing and you miss opportunities for someone to speak into you and you miss opportunities to speak into somebody else when we just assume everybody is where we are. If nobody else has yet ever told you, let me be the first. It is okay to be you. It is okay to be where you are. You are in process of sanctification. Trust the process. Know that you're not done. Luther writes this, We are not now what we shall be, but we are on the way. The process is not yet finished, but it has begun. And this is not the goal, but it is the road. At the present, all does not gleam and glitter, but everything is being purified. That includes every one of us. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to find great hope, great joy in knowing that the Holy Spirit is working through you in this process. The Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you moment by moment in your sanctification. There are moments where it hurts. There are moments where you don't know when it's going to end. But know what is at the end. We rejoice in knowing that we have eternity. That we have eternity with God. That glorification, much like justification, is immediate. But in this process of sanctification, would we be continue looking forward to walk with each other in community? Would we be continuing to look for opportunities to help point each other heavenward as we look to encourage each other in our sanctification? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful and thankful for this morning. Father, I thank you again for the brothers and sisters that are in this room. Father, I know many of them have walked alongside with me, have prayed with me, have hugged me, have loved on me in the midst of our struggles and our journeys. Father, I pray that everyone in this room would be able to proclaim the same thing. Father, what a great show of love for us that you have provided these people in this room. Father, we we recognize that that this is a long, slow process. Father, we we often wish it would be quick. We often wish that it would uh, just provide us these steps that we could take and it would be done and over, Father. But I know that there are brothers and sisters in this room who are just hurting. Father, I know that, that there are brothers and sisters in this room who who are just looking forward to the day where you call them home. Uh, would they find encouragement, Father, by, by the other people that you have placed around them, that they would find encouragement in your word, Father, that they would rejoice in knowing that you love us so much that we would be called heirs, children of God. Father, be with us as we leave this place. Allow our, our lives to be shaped and... and, and, and so processed by by what we know father that 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 we would leave this place looking different father we would leave this place pointing others to you in our own growth most of all father we thank you for your son father the gift that you have given us father his life his death his glorious resurrection that we can call your son our lord and savior father that we can pray all these things to you in his name knowing that He is seated at Your right hand. Father, we rejoice in that today. Father, we love You. We love You. 
And we pray these things in your Son's name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.